Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 301 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, the guru behind your favorite sites, RedsMinorLeagues.com and RedLegNation.com. It's Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? I'm doing well, Chad. How are you doing? Well, I'm excited. The Reds made a, uh, another free agent signing this week. Uh, what is going on in this world? I mean, is this a wonderful time to be alive or what? Two free agent signings uh, other than, like, you know, uh, minimum deals for relievers or something. Two signings. It's crazy. It is. It feels very different than what we're used to. I know that. The first one, obviously, was uh, Mike Moustakas. We've discussed that at length, and this week, again, this is not a, a huge signing necessarily, but it is one that uh, we do need to talk about. The Reds signed a two-year, $15 million contract with free agent left-handed pitcher Wade Miley. Miley, most recently of the Houston Astros, and before that with uh, Derek Johnson and the Milwaukee Brewers. Johnson, of course, the Reds' pitching coach now. So he reunites with uh, with Wade Miley, and the Reds get him on a two-year deal for a fairly reasonable price. Uh, what are your thoughts about this uh Miley deal, uh, Doug. I know that there were a lot of opinions being thrown about for a deal that's really just to shore up the back end of the rotation to me. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, first off, I, I it's I think it's good because one, you know, you just mentioned it's the back end of the rotation, whereas you know this for two years ago he'd probably be the opening day starter. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah, um, definitely I, would have been the opening I, day I mean, starter. Th- let's let's think about how far <laughs> the Reds have come in just the last two to three years, and on that front, they hashtag uh, got the pitching. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a depth move, but I also think it's a good move either way. Uh, you know, they, they kind of have – it felt like the four spots at the front of the rotation were kind of locked in. And it, it, it seemed that they wanted to upgrade it, they, whether it's because they wanted, you know, depth or they just don't quite trust Tyler Malley to, you know, perform enough. Um, then, I mean, when was the last time – okay, well, I guess Reds fans, we all know the last time that – a team made it through the entire season without needing a six starter. Uh, but that's happened, what, once in both of our lifetimes, Chad? Yeah. I mean, I mean you, you, you need starting pitchers. Uh, and, you know, for a price tag of $7.5 million, I mean, that's that's nothing. That's chump change. There are relievers out there that throw 60 innings a year to get more than that. Yeah, plus they have, a, I think, a team option on a third year, depending on how it works out. It looks to me like an awfully uh, team fr- I don't know if that team-friendly, but a fair contract, I guess. Uh, the 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 one thing that I wanted to talk about with respect to Miley, I want to talk about what he brings to the Reds. Let's talk about a little bit about who he is and and what we can expect of him. But first, I want to talk about Tyler Malley that you you mentioned a moment because that was the biggest. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if criticism is the right term, but one of the one of the talking points that I heard on this, uh, including from my buddy uh, Bill Lack, a frequent co-host here. He he's like, well, I think Tyler Malley's going to be better. So if this means Tyler Malley goes to AAA. You know, uh, I don't like it, and and my thoughts are okay. It's completely reasonable to think that Tyler Malley will be better next year. I mean, if you if you have that, if that's your opinion, it's it's reasonable. I think that it's also completely reasonable for the Reds to think that Wade Miley will be better next year, and also that you you kind of step on what I was going to say, which is the Reds are going to need Tyler Malley's going to get a bunch of starts in the major leagues this year, whether he's on the opening day roster or not. He's going to get a bunch of starts. You need more than five starters. I think now they've got six starters, frankly, that I trust. And I don't remember a single time in my life where the Cincinnati Reds had six starters that I that I trust. That is a great thing. And 
And the, the fact is they're all going to get 15 or more starts, more than likely. You know, Castillo and Gray, they, may, they were healthy most of the year last year. And, you know, is that going to happen again? Maybe not. You know, the Reds were, were fortunate last year. So... I, I don't I don't worry about the Tyler Malley stuff and and to the people that want to say that well what about you you complained about Nick Senzel uh, and that's what Bill said to him you complained about Nick Senzel not being on the opening day roster because the Reds weren't putting their best team on the field and I'm like yeah that's my I want the Reds to have the best team on the field but I also don't think it's unreasonable to say that Wade Miley is, would be part of that best possible roster so no matter and, and I, I stand behind no one in my love for Tyler Malley. But I think this is a good uh, pitching depth move, and it's a reasonable price. And you know, I don't—I'm not like—I'm not in love with it. Like this is the greatest acquisition in the history of the world, but it's good business. I think it's a good acquisition. Yeah, I—I'm with you. I—I I, I think that. I mean, personally, if you follow me on Twitter, you know where I stand with Tyler Malley, Wade Miley. If we I follow you Wade, on I Twitter, I, Doug, if, let me just say this: if we follow you on Twitter, we know where you stand on everything. Almost everything. <laughs> a good point. Wait. But yes, I, I I just think that Wade Miley's the safer bet. Um, I, I can see a, a road to where Tyler Malley could be better, but you know, hope's not a plan. And hoping that he doesn't give up 478 home runs again next year, I mean, that's that's kind of where we're at with Tyler Malley. He doesn't walk guys, he strikes out a bunch of guys, but he gives up a million home runs, and he's always done that as a major leaguer. Yeah, hoping that all of a sudden he figures that out. I that I, I don't think that the Reds were exactly confident in that, and that's kind of one of the reasons they were willing to sign a guy like Wade Miley. Obviously, if they had, you know, they were rumored to have gone after Zach Wheeler before. That's a very different level of pitcher. Right. They weren't they weren't going after Zach Wheeler to replace Tyler Malley. They were going after Zach Wheeler because they think he could be another, you know, number one caliber pitcher. Whereas Wade Miley's a guy that you know they're thinking, hey, he's he's a good quality number three, number four guy that, you know, we have the, you know awesomeness of being able to throw it number five because the rest of our rotation is that good yeah no i mean it's and, go ahead you, you're gonna have something else to I mean, it, yeah it, you know and as you said tyler malley's gonna get starts and if somehow tyler malley ends up not getting starts for the reds next year that's a really good thing isn't it because yeah. that means that nobody got hurt and everybody performed yeah yeah so i i, I can't uh, gin up any consternation over it even though I, I think I could see a path where Tyler Malley is one of the top two or three pitchers on this staff. I could really see him finally putting it together. And I say finally, he's still a kid. But could see him putting it together and having a really, really strong season. Absolutely. But, you know, if we're looking for a, a safe bet, Wade Miley, first of all, in 2018, he missed a lot of time. Uh, he was injured. But when he was pitching, he was outstanding uh, when he was uh, starting for Milwaukee. And then uh, 2.57 ERA. In 16 starts last year, he was really good for Houston until September. And uh, famously, his September was so bad that he was left off the playoff roster. He was really good up until September. And Ken Rosenthal had an interesting piece at uh, The Athletic today that went in-depth into Miley's and his pitching coach in Houston, their opinion that Wade Miley had been tipping his pitches that last month. Evidently, towards the end of the season, one of his former teammates, he wouldn't reveal who, sent him a text and said, watch your glove. And they went back and were watching video and uh, saw that he had been tipping his pitches. And uh, and so he's hoping that he's got that figured out now and he'll go back to being the same guy that was pretty doggone good for 2018 and almost all of 2019. And again, I don't I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't know how much to, to believe that. It could be just a, an excuse, but uh, something that makes me uh, 
at least hopeful that Miley could be even better than a number five starter. Yeah, I, I don't have too much to add to that, so I'll just leave it with that. Outstanding. So uh, let's see, Wade Miley. I was there. Was something else I was going to look. Uh, someone mentioned on our uh, our Slack channel, our Red Lake Nation Radio Slack channel, and, and that's a you know if you're a patron uh, at uh, at least two dollars a month, um, you can get access to our Slack channel. It's been really active over the last few weeks. It's been a lot of fun talking about the Reds. And someone, I, I wish I had it in front of me, made the made the point that what he liked best about the the Athletic article, uh, Ken Rosenthal's article about Miley, was that. When he started struggling, the first thing he did was go to the Astros and say, "Pull up some video. Is my, how's my spin rate looking? Is, is what you know? What's what's different?" He, he he wanted to look at the analytics to see what had changed to see why he was uh, struggling. So I like that he's got that uh, that kind of bent. And coming from the Astros, hopefully the Reds can uh, can have the same kind of uh, analytical um, situation as he had with Houston. So anyway. Next uh, item in the news, I guess, not a, not a ton of news this week. There was a report by, and again, I, I say report, but every time it comes from John Heyman, I'm like, you know, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know John Heyman personally, but uh, I take everything he reports with a grain of salt. But his uh, his report was essentially that the Reds have uh, been in contact, and I think this is the first time we've seen this, or we've had some people suggest that they should, that the Reds have been in contact with free agent outfielder Corey Dickerson. Now, Corey Dickerson, and I'll let you uh, give your thoughts on it, but let me just first say, you know, um, we've talked about Marcelo Zuna. We've talked about Nick Castellanos at length here on the podcast. You know, Corey Dickerson's fine. I wouldn't mind having him in the Reds outfield. He's not the the guy that fixes this offense. He can only play left field, essentially. And, you know, so what do you do? What do you do with, uh, with Winker slash Irvin or whatever? Um, I don't know. He's a decent hitter. He's been an above-average hitter, and he'll probably be an above-average hitter next year, but not substantially so. And I don't know. He's had a couple of years where he was between three and four wins above replacement. Uh, yeah, okay, I'd be okay with it, but that, that one doesn't move the needle enough for me. What are your thoughts on Corey Dickerson? I mean, I think he might be the best free agent hitter that's out there. I mean, he's got a 119 career OPS. You know who doesn't have that? <laughs> yeah. Nick Castellanos, Marcelo Zuna. Or Moustakas, right? Or I mean, yeah, Mike Mustakas has never had a season that high. Yeah, and that's what Dickerson's is for his career. I mean, he's a good hitter. The problem is, is you know, he missed half of last season. Now he was he's been relatively healthy before that for a couple of years. Um, I mean, he's the last time he was not an above average hitter in the major leagues was his rookie year in 2013. And that he was just 60, about half a season, yeah. Yeah, he played 69 games that year. Nice. I mean, 2000, yeah, 2016, 17, and 18. He played 135, 148, and 150 games. I mean, he's he's been relatively healthy except for you know last year since he's been in the majors. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're really going to go out there and try and improve the offense, I mean, given what is expected to be gotten for Marcelo Zuna's contract or Nick Castellanos' contract, I mean, Corey Dickerson, the projections were like two years and fifteen million dollars, and I mean, realistically, he's been a better hitter than either one of them. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me, assuming that you don't think for whatever reason that, you know, his defense is substantially worse than either one of those guys, which is hard to believe, uh, even though I don't think any of them are good outfielders. You know, if you've been interested in Nick Castellanos, who, you know, by all intents and purposes, I mean, he's a DH who you put out in the field because you don't have a choice. Right. Uh, I mean, I'd be fine with either Castellanos or Dickerson, and I wouldn't really, you know, complain either way. I think both would dramatically improve the offense. Uh, but when it comes down to money, one of them makes a lot more sense than the other one. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, for, for the record, when I played, I was a DH that you just couldn't put out on the field either because I couldn't field, but also I couldn't hit, so it kind of worked out. Um, now, it, when it comes to defense, obviously, obviously Castellanos, or as I intend to call him every single time we discuss him here, if the Reds actually sign him, Castellanos. Um, Corey Dickerson, like Marcelo Zuna, has actually won a gold glove, but his defense is really not. I mean, none of the metrics, and again, you can make what you want of the metrics, but they're all pretty consistent. That he's, you know, not necessarily going to kill you, but he's not a good defender. So, um, but, but do you see any substantial, other than the money issue, do you see any real substantial difference between any of those three options? They're all would be fine, but none of I mean, them I'd- really move the needle. That's my opinion. I mean, I, I think that both Dickerson and Castellanos are better hitters than Marcelo Zuna is. I mean, that's let, let, let me rephrase that. I think they've been better hitters. I'm not I'm not necessarily sure that you know they'll continue to be, but yeah. I think up to this point they they have been. And I mean, realistically, it's hard for me to argue otherwise. I think and that's I'm, fair. I'm a, guy, I'm a guy who likes to argue, so <laughs> I know that. I think that's fair. I think Ozuna has has had at least one season, probably better than any season those other two have had, but. Yes. Um, but, but he's had just that one season, right? And it was yeah. three years ago, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm okay with any of those guys being on the Reds, and the fact that the Reds have reached out to them, great, whatever, you know, they'll help. Uh, I don't think it's enough, certainly. Um, so it presents a whole different set of problems, which is something that our buddy Wick Terrell was uh, kind of talking about a little bit on uh, Twitter.com, the world's worst website, uh, which is just that you know some of these things feel kind of a lot like. Uh, the Reds of the past, you know, not being able to get any real players, but getting, you know, the third, fourth, fifth best option maybe, you know, and that's a recipe to continue to be in third, fourth, fifth place uh, in a lot of ways. They, you know, um, they still haven't made that deal that's going to really change things for me. Moustakas moved the needle some. I think he's at such a huge upgrade over what they had at second base otherwise. Um, but uh, Miley helps, absolutely, but you know, I don't know. Um, does that make sense? Did you see what uh, what Wick was saying? I did. I, I did see that conversation. I, I'm not as down on that whole idea as it seems like you guys were. Not that I, not that I'm saying you guys were, you know, really down on it. But I think I'm a little bit more confident that, you know, if they did sign one of those three outfielders, that it would move the needle a little bit more than you guys do. I'm not saying you know it'd be like signing Anthony Rendon or you know trading right. for Francisco Lindor or anything like that. Like true difference makers. But I, I think that with the other moves that they've made, that they actually have moved the needle. At least to the point where I can realistically see them being real contenders. Well, we've got some viewer mail questions about that, and I'll uh, I'll hold off until we get to those. But I think that you put all of them together. If they sign one of those guys in addition to the other two, I think that what I don't know how good the Reds can be, frankly. But I do think the floor for how bad they can be is probably raised fairly substantially because you know you've made marginal upgrades. In your pitching staff, marginal upgrade in the outfield, you know, and and, and at second base, maybe more than a marginal upgrade, but total, the total thing is, but you've got more, more, you know, more of a sure thing. I mean, if we're going into next year with Josh Van Meter as your second baseman and uh, Aristides Aquino in right field and the Winker Irvin Plumney left, I could see things going really well for that. But you could also see that cratering completely. And so, uh, more of a sure thing, I guess. And there's something to that as far as I'm concerned because the, we, you said it earlier today, and I say it just about every week. Hope is not a strategy. At least you're not hoping. You kind of know what you're going to get from a lot of these people. Yeah, and you know, and I like what you mentioned. The floor, the, the floor is a big thing there because, you know, you you never want hope as a strategy. But when your floor is a lot higher, you don't have to rely on hope so much because 
you can rely on, you know, just a few things going right rather than a lot of things going right. Right. And, you know, if Nick Senzel goes out there and plays a full season and he does what we think he can do. He will. You know, that That's that's a difference maker. You know, I mean, last year, Jesse Winker got hurt. What if he stays a little bit healthier? Yeah. You know, there's just they're, they're, I, I just feel like I don't have to squint too hard to see things going a little bit more right. Well, even when you talk about hope, Winker and Senzel, you've got to hope for health that they're on the field, but I think if they're on the field, those guys produce. Uh, with Votto, maybe you're hoping he comes just, at least just a little bit back in the direction of the Votto we know, and that's a you know that's a big thing, and I, that's completely reasonable. None of those are unreasonable, but if you got right, if you got fewer spots around the field where you're kind of hoping for something to happen, it's a lot better position than we've been in for the last uh, five years or so. Um, other news uh, before we get into maybe some rumors and some viewer mail. Not a lot of news, obviously. It's been a quiet uh, off season largely. Even though the Reds have been mentioned all over the place, they've not gotten a lot done. They did hire a new assistant hitting coach, Joe Mather. Now, Joe Mather, is this the same uh, Joe Mather that starred as the Beaver? No. Well, that, that might have been Jerry Mather as the Beaver. I think that was, yeah. Because I was maybe, gonna, they're, maybe they're related, though. I don't know. I was wondering if maybe uh, Tony Dow was the next to be hired. Boy, I'm really going deep into the 1950s uh, television show. Uh, hole here i'm gonna i'm gonna move away from that but do you know anything about joe mather i know you do i mean yeah if the name sounds familiar he, he spent three seasons playing in the nl central for the cubs and the cardinals uh in the, in the earlier parts of this decade um he's been with the diamondbacks in their development system both as a coach and a, a hitting coordinator for the last uh five years so i mean he, he, it's not exactly a, a new job for him uh it's just a i guess higher ranking Similar job to the one he's had in the past. And so the, he's the assistant hitting coach. Uh, Alan Zinter is the new uh, hitting coach. And I'm not sure we discussed him much here on the on the podcast. I'm going to say this and try to be very cagey about how I say it because I'm not sure I'm ready to. to uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber in that Slack channel, you, you're going to know who I'm talking about. But I will say this, that I don't know much about the new hitting coach. But I will say that I spoke to a player who is absolutely going to be on the roster next year. And that player was very impressed with uh, the two or three conversations he'd had with Zinter that said that he really, really smart and uh, was really excited about working with him. There you go. That's all I know. It's a little inside info for you guys here on Red Leg Nation Radio. We call that inside baseball. Inside baseball. And uh, Doug will bug me in a minute about who it was, but he, he knows. He knows who it was. So that's the, uh, you know, that's really the news from the week as it were. Now, just quickly, I wanted to get your opinion, because you and I have not actually talked about it, about uh, the, the persistent, I don't know if they're persistent, but we've seen some rumors about the Reds being quote-unquote in on uh, David Price. Uh, and I wanted to get your opinion on the, that. We talked about it a little bit uh, in our last podcast. Um, I'm okay with it. I, you know, I don't have any problem with David Price. Depends on the, how much the Red Sox are going to kick in. If it, It'll probably be as much to just get them under that luxury tax. But if they want to, want to get rid of... Uh, payroll and, and maybe get a guy that helps more depth in the rotation. I'm not sure it's as likely now, um, but, but maybe I'm okay with it. I'd much rather the Red Sox shed payroll and give us uh Mookie bets. What are your thoughts? Yeah, pretty much that. Um, give me, give me Mookie bets and I'll pay for his salary. Well, not me personally. I don't have that kind <laughs> of money, but I'll let Bob Castellini pay for that salary. There you uh, go. But, yeah, when it, when it comes to David Price, I, I think that this would have been a much more fun conversation to have four days ago. Uh, I, I just don't see them getting into the starting pitching market unless literally someone is paying you to take somebody at this point. I, I think that they, they've got six guys. They're probably 
more focused on improving the offense in, in one way or the other moving forward with what they have left to spend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that clearly we've got to, uh, the Reds are probably going to be looking unless they can get a real difference maker in the rotation. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, if, if they can somehow work out something with the Red Sox where you get David Price and you have to pay some of that contract, but you also get an offensive piece, one of their bigger pieces, just so that yeah. they can get under that luxury tax, then maybe that makes sense. That'd be something they'd be willing to do. But uh, unless it's going to be just a a true blockbuster kind of trade, I, I just don't think that's going to work. Yeah, yeah. I was interested to see uh, Corey Kluber got traded from the Indians to the uh, Rangers this week, and, and Texas gave up uh, not much. I mean, a pretty good reliever, I think, and also um, Billy Hamilton Jr. I mean, Delano DeShields Jr. Um, were you surprised? I know Kluber was hurt, but uh, and he's getting up there a little bit in age, but he's also, when he's on, been on the mat, he's been awfully good. Were you surprised how little the return was uh, for Corey Kluber? And, and should the Reds have... At least uh, made a made a better offer. I feel like every team in baseball should have made a better offer. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, the, the reliever that the the Rangers traded away was he was highly regarded, but you know he's still a, a rookie who threw twenty three innings in the major leagues last year, and I mean they got Corey freaking Kluber. I mean, I just like Delano DeShields Jr. might not make the Indians roster out of spring training next year, so. Like, I just don't understand how nobody in baseball was willing to try and trade for Corey Kluber for more than, you know, a, a, I mean, a really good relief prospect, but he's still a relief prospect. He's not a one of the top 100 prospects in baseball. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't, I don't understand. Strange. I, th- th- this new baseball thing is just mind-blowing to me. I don't, I don't understand what a lot of these teams are doing or thinking because it just feels like they are way more concerned with, the ability to have a player under contract than they are about how good that player is on the field. Really, really strange. Baseball's in a real transition here, and I don't understand it either. Uh, you know, it just occurred to me, we're t- over 20 minutes into this podcast now, and I I had this great uh, little thing I was going to do to open up. I was going to declare this was an emergency podcast to discuss the fact that the Miami Marlins announced non-roster invitations for former Reds Matt Kemp and the legend Ryan LaVarnway. We really need to spend about 20 or 30 minutes talking about how Ryan LaVarnwake is going to continue to get a chance to be a legend for another organization, right? I mean, I think we need to talk about Ryan LaVarnway and Amir Garrett running into each other on vacation on the other side of the world. What was that? Randomly. Were they in, they were somewhere in Asia. I don't remember, I didn't see. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, like, Amir mentioned it, like, the place that they were, and I have no idea where it was. But how does that happen? Like, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Just ran, but then again, I'm telling you, if I could just uh, randomly run into Ryan Lavarnway ever, ever so often, I'd have a much happier life. Chad, let me ask you this: If you actually ran into Ryan Lavarnway, would you even know it was Ryan Lavarnway? <laughs> yes, as far as you know. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, a lot of the other things we want to talk about with respect to rumors and, and what the Wade Miley signing uh, means for the rest of the the off season. A lot of those are covered in some of our viewer mail questions, and so I thought it'd be better to just rather than go in topic by topic let's dive into these questions and we'll hit every topic that uh, that we wanted to discuss the first group of these uh, questions we're going to answer come from our uh, patreon patrons over at uh, patreon.com slash radio thank you to all of our supporters there um especially want to thank Corey keplinger Corey keplinger a new uh, new subscriber there at patreon love you Corey keplinger thank you so much for joining us and uh, Corey keplinger i think is clearly clearly a versatile hard-hitting infielder he can play every position in the infield Right? Yes. <laughs> I remember thinking of Jeff Keppinger. 
You are, but that's okay, because I was also thinking it, and I was like, this is I know exactly where Chad's going with this, so yeah. Yeah, Corey Kaplinger, thank you, thank you. Corey with a K, too. I've got a brother named Corey, but he spells it with a C, so um, I'm not going to... Your family's weird, Chad. I don't know. Buddy, you don't have any idea. (laughs) First question comes from our buddy Matt Sheary. Matt Sheary asks, what do you think the trade value for Hunter Green is? When he was drafted, he seemed like the next big thing. Is he still the next big thing? P.S. I'd trade him in a second and more for one of these rumored players. Uh, thank you for the question, Matt. I really hesitate to say anything about Hunter Green. I don't know if you know why, but I, I hesitate. Uh, well, I'll, I'll take this one then. I, it's right in my wheelhouse. Uh, I, I think that his trade value is probably down from where it was, say, a year ago because you know he he did get injured and he ended up you know having Tommy John surgery, but. There's no reason to believe he isn't going to come back and be the guy that he was. I mean, yes, there's always that you know possibility that he doesn't return. We do we do see that every so often. The guy just can't recover from that. But as far as we know, he's right on track. He's exactly where he's supposed to be. And let me tell you, when he was healthy, I mean, he was absolutely beyond disgusting. Um, I I think his trade value is still very high right now. Um, I'd really hesitate to trade him, though. Uh, that, that's not to say that I wouldn't in the right deal. You know, Francisco Lindor, come on down. But uh, I think that it would have to be something for a true difference maker for me to pull the trigger on trading a guy like Hunter Green. I just think the upside is way too high. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's where I'm at, Chad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to step into it here. Oh, good grief. I would trade Hunter Green in a heartbeat. But... I would not trade Hunter Green for less than I think his value is. And, and I think you're right. His value is down. It's still pretty high, I think. I mean, everybody knows what kind of a live arm he's got. And there's no reason to think he's not going to recover completely from the surgery. But he falls under my corollary that anyone that has not yet made it to double A that the Reds want to trade, I'm going to be okay with it about 99% of the time. Uh, he would be, though, uh, Hunter Green would be a guy, though, that I would be, it, you'd have to blow me away. I mean, you'd, you'd really have to make the right kind of deal. Um, but if he's a difference maker and a deal that really helps the, the Reds for the next two or three years, I would absolutely do it. So Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Straight up for Francisco Lindor? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Joe Farsing asks, and I'm going to answer this question by Joe to, uh, because he has uh, he is one of our big supporters at, at Patreon, but he has a question later that I'm going to get really upset at him about, and I may or may not uh, choose to answer that one. But he's, I'm gonna... I want to answer that one. I want to answer that one. <laughs> okay. This one... I, also want to answer, I also want to answer this one, Yeah. This, I'll let you go first. This is a good one. Uh, what I love about there, are, and you all have heard this, but uh, I don't know why, but it's become a thing that, that uh, our viewer mail questions we get. One of these crazy uh, music slash baseball uh, questions. His is Brian Wilson, Beach Boy, or Brian Wilson, Weird Retired Reliever. Who do you choose, Doug Gray? I choose yes. <laughs> that's the that's the right answer. That is the right answer. They are both fantastic. I'm gonna go with Brian Wilson, the reliever, because man, what a glorious beard that guy had. He was yeah, like the Brian, first. Brian, Brian. Brian Wilson, the musician, makes such good music. Oh, well, he's a legend. He's an absolute musical <laughs> legend. He's a genius. Uh, he really is, but you're right. That beard is, oh my gosh, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's incredible. I just, uh, I admire him so much because of his ability to grow facial hair. Jacob Rude, a- Rude asks, Jacob Rude asks, that doesn't sound right, but Jacob Rude is his name. He's not Rude. We've just talked with him on, on the Slack. And this is one that we probably could spend a whole podcast talking about. We're going to try to do it as quickly as possible, but I think it's fun. Who would make your Reds all-decade 
lineup and rotation. So we're talking 2010 to 2019, the all decade for the Reds. So let's go position by position. We'll start with uh, we'll start with the catcher. Who's your catcher? Ryan Hannigan. Man, I thought about Hannigan. You know, I think I'm going to go with Tucker Barnhart. I'll, I'll tell you why. Yeah, you know, my first thought was Tucker Barnhart too, and then I looked up the WAR for each one of them. Yeah, and Tucker I saw that came. Too. Tucker came in second. Now he's two point four WAR, which I think is drastically underselling him. But Ryan Hannigan was at eleven point seven. Like it's not even close. So that I, that made my decision for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I, again. Hannigan's a guy that I love. I love his story. You know, undrafted, made it to the big leagues, was a legit player. But Tucker's got a great beard. This is true. So, okay. I think that Hannigan is a reasonable choice. I'm going to go with Tucker. Uh, first base, clearly Scott Hatterberg. Uh, I don't think Scott Hatterberg played he for the Reds this decade. decade. You're right. So, so clearly, um, oh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to go with Miguel Cairo. He played some first base. Oh, dang it, you took my pick. <laughs> um, let's look at, let me look at the list real quick. I can't think who the first baseman would be the leader we, by war. Can we go with... Daniel Votto? Let's go with Danny Votto. Would we think differently about him if he went by Danny? No. No. Joey Votto clearly did first base. We don't need to talk about that. Second base is pretty clear as well. Uh, nobody even really close, right? Uh, n- not in my opinion, no. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Phillips, uh, clearly the, the all-decade second baseman. Shortstop, uh, this one, for some reason, surprised me. I didn't expect the, 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 for it to be this close, but... Uh, Second base, I'm going with Zach Cozart. Yeah, that I went with. I went with Cozart too. I. I mean, who else is in that? Uh, that that's the thing. I don't. I don't think that yeah. there is anybody else. I mean, he was just. He was the guy for six years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, and to go back to second base. Scooter's probably my second choice for second base, but it's not really close. Brandon Phillips is a Reds Hall of Famer. Uh, so Zach, yeah, Zach had a. If you go back and look at his career, he. I don't know. <laughs> I, I remember the years where he was awful at the plate. But it's such a sweet glove, and then he finally had uh, learned how to hit, and uh, really effective player. I, I like Zach Cozart. His name started with a Z too. Yeah, now, and he had a donkey. He did have a donkey. Third base. Now third. This is this is a was a tough one. This is fun. I, I'm interested to see where you go with this. I'm going to go with. We're cutting it off at 2019, so we're not talking about what happens in 2020 and beyond. So I'm going to go with Todd Frazier. That's what I did. Really? And it, and it was close. Very close. Uh, I mean, I, I've got my I've got my spreadsheet up here because I'm a total nerd. And in my contenders section, it says A. Eugenio Suarez, but he played some shortstop. And True. if that first season had come at third base, I probably would have gone with him. But because we're cutting it off, I, I had to I had to give a reason for picking Todd Frazier. And I think that it's just going to be he had a little bit more longevity at third base. Yeah, and and his it's, numbers it's, were it's, good. It's, it's, it's close. I, if, if you would have gone with Suarez, been like, that's cool, that's fine, I get it. Yeah, can't argue with that. But I, wow, unanimous on Frazier. Left field, not a lot to choose from here. I went with Adam Duvall. That's who I went with, Adam Duvall. I mean, who else yeah. is in the mix? Ryan Ludwig? Chris Heisey, maybe? Winker? Who? Jesse Winker? Jesse I mean, Winker, yeah, they, I mean yeah. they, they've they've run, they've run out a lot of guys for a year or two on left field this decade. There hasn't really been anybody that's really stuck around for more than two or three years, right? Right. Yeah. So it's got to be got to be Duvall, all star, you know, and, and uh, pretty good player. Got no no issues with Adam Duvall. Um, center field. I went with Billy. 
You went with Billy Hamilton? I, I, I went with Billy Hamilton. Wow. Which, that's... I mean, I mean, really, I, I don't know. I You know, Drew Stubbs was there the, at the beginning of the decade, and I mean, I, I feel like I had more of love for Drew Stubbs than anybody else did. But, you know, Billy was there for seven years. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, couldn't hit, but my goodness, everything else he did was just fantastic. This is going to surprise listeners to the podcast. I do not go with Billy Hamilton as the center fielder of the decade for the Reds. I'm listening. Shinsu Chu. <laughs> One year, but man, what a great year. It was a great year, but <laughs> I mean, if we're going to play that game, how was Devin Mezzarocco not our catcher? Well, I meant to mention him actually when we were catcher, uh, <laughs> talking about catcher because, uh, you know, uh, just he was Shinsu Chu's 2013 was so far and away better than any other center fielder the Reds have had in a long time. It really was that I just uh, I had to go with him. So ah. hey, it's your podcast. You can do what you want. <laughs> there you go. Right field is I think a pretty clear to me uh, choice on who's who the right fielder would be. I mean, I, it's got to be Jay Bruce. Got to be Jay I, Bruce. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even have anybody in the contender section. Like, yeah. Who else was there? I can't think of I can't think of anyone else. Maybe Aristides Aquino. Um, not Jay Bruce. Very affable. Very affable. That's what I've, that's what I've been told. Yeah. So anyway, there's your all decade lineup. Now quickly to the rotation. Give me your five. I'll give you my five. Or let's go. Let's go one at a time. All right. I, I went with Johnny Cueto at the top. That's my number one. My number two. I'm going with Luis Castillo. Okay. Uh, is it crazy? It's not. He he made my list, but not at number two. Okay, then my who you no, got? My, no, my number two was Homer Bailey. Homer Bailey. He was my number four. Okay. So uh, I'm going to go with Bronson Arroyo at number three. Not for me. I went with Mike Leak. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. Leak was Leak was on my list. I don't know where I had him. See, I had Cueto, Castillo, Arroyo, Leak Bailey. That's how I had it. My last guy was Matt Latos. Yeah, good argument for him. Boy, his uh, three years were... Pretty good. We forget yeah. because he was such a jerk, but pretty good. Well, he, was good he was a good pitcher. He was. <laughs> at least for at least while he was healthy with the Reds. After he left, well, uh, well, that was a different story. But Boy, you see guys uh, waste, you know, I don't say waste, you know, whatever, but uh, guys that have a boatload of talent and just didn't really convert it into a, a, a long career. That guy was, I mean, he was good. He was good. He was, uh, he was the nuclear louche, I think, of the two, 2010 to 2019 Reds. Okay. Uh, Stephen Offenbaker, host of the Reds oh, Alert whoa, podcast. Whoa, whoa, we, we, we are not going to go through this and not have a bullpen, Chad. Well, we need question, a bullpen. The question was all decade lineup and rotation. So, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I went through the trouble of doing it, so I'm giving at least a two-man bullpen. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I Chapman, Rysel Iglesias, you can do what you want now. Okay. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, those are clearly, I mean, not even close, <laughs> the two best relievers uh, of, the, of the decade. I mean, not even close. The next one, best one's probably... Uh, Jared Hughes, <laughs> you know, I mean, by wins above replacement, probably is Sam Lecure. Uh, my hands are up in the air. I have no Lorenzen. idea. Lorenzen, well, probably. Okay, yeah, probably Michael Lorenzen. Yeah, so I don't know. Give me Chapman and Iglesias, and uh, you got Iglesias as yeah, your but, setup man. That's a pretty good bullpen. Let's just make Michael Lorenzen our utility player. He can play in the field and be a reliever. Yes. It's a win-win. Man, now let me ask you this question: If you put together an all-decade team for every team in the majors. How many teams in the majors is this Reds team we just put together? How many teams can they beat? What place do they come in? Maybe third place? Because every team's got got a, a roster like this, and the Reds have not been very good most of the. the yeah, decade. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna feel really good on the days that Johnny Cueto is pitching. Yeah, 
But beyond that, I mean, you know, Bailey, Latos, I mean, they could match up with anybody on any given day, but you're not going to get that every time out like you did with Cueto. Yeah, it's got to be and one of the worst I, and I rotations. Like, and I feel like a lot of other teams can throw out a few guys like that if we're talking about the whole decade. Boy, th- this is what I love about these off-season podcasts. That's a great question, Jacob. It's fun to think about. Uh, Stephen Offenbaker, again, host of the Reds Alert podcast. I encourage you to go listen to that if you get a chance. Stephen does a great job. He says this, I've been saying the Reds should sign two outfielders, and he suggests Castellanos, Castellanos and Yasiel Puig, and then move Sinzel to the infield, either shortstop or third, if Gino go, if you if you come from moving Gino to shortstop. Uh, what are your thoughts on this plan? Uh, you want me to take that one, or do you want to go first? Well, let me just say my brief thoughts are, are you know, in a in a vacuum, I'm probably okay with it, and it, you know, it, it makes the Reds better. But I think the chances of it happening are approximately zero percent. What are your thoughts? Well, I agree with you that the chances of it happening are zero percent. But I also wouldn't do it. I don't. I just don't think that. I mean, for as much as I like it, Eugenio Suarez and Nixon Zell, they're not shortstops. I have it, to think it, if it, they it, could it, stick. It's it, that simple for me. Yeah, I think they have to think if they could play shortstop, they'd be, they'd playing, be playing shortstop. shortstop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we look look at what the Reds have run out there with both of those guys as options in the last. Three years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if I would, I would have put Sin or Eugenio uh, at shortstop under one circumstance. Actually, I probably wouldn't have under this circumstance either. I'd put him in on a in a corner outfield spot. But if the Reds had gotten Anthony Rendon, um, I'd have put Gino wherever. I don't care just to get him in the lineup. But uh, well, if they had gotten Anthony Rendon, they wouldn't have gotten Mustakas, and they could have just played one of those guys second. No, no, no. no. They're going to get Mustakas too. Listen, oh, we're going oh, crazy whoa. here. So right, I'm going to bring up the, the Brandon Phillips thing. Did, did Castellini invent a new fruit? <laughs> Maybe. Hey, I, well, you know. Dwight Kelly at patreon.com slash redlegradio asks, and he begins his, uh, his question with hash brown viewer mail. Dwight knows what we're talking about. Mark Sheldon recently stated that he doesn't like bacon. So my question, who would you rather trade for, Corey Seager or Francisco Lindor? Uh, First of all, let's, un- let's let's unpack. Let's unpack. Did Mark really? Mark has been a friend of the podcast. Uh, opinions about Mark or whatever they are. I like Mark. Great guy personally. Um, really great guy. Really really like him. He doesn't like uh, bacon. What's what's that all about? Who doesn't like bacon? Mark apparently. There you go. Now uh, Francis Lindor is the easy answer on the next. Although I love Corey Seager. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I would love to have him. But if, if I have to choose between those two, it's an easy choice for me. Yeah, no, Lindor is a, well, they're both great. I mean, I'd take both of them, but I, I, I prefer Lindor. Corey Keplinger asks, Corey Jeff Keplinger asks, how many, many more signings can we expect from the Reds? What are your expectations for this team if they stay put after the Miley signing? Let me take this one first, then we'll uh, let you dive in, Doug. How many more signings? There are going to be more signings. Absolutely. Those signings may just be relievers or, you know, bit pieces. Um, they're going to sign some other guys. That's my that's my prediction. I don't know if they're going to sign anybody big. I don't know if they'll get any of those outfielders. I expect they're probably going to get one of those three outfielders we talked about earlier. That's my guess. What are my expectations for this, for this team, though, if they stay put after the Miley signing? That's a question someone asked me on Twitter the other day, and I think my expectations are they're better. They're probably a third-place team. And with and if things go really right, they could be in the playoffs. 
But my expectations would be probably third place if they don't do anything else after the Wade Malley signing. What are your thoughts? I think they've got two major league signings left. Uh, I think that they'll they'll get an outfielder and they'll get a reliever. Uh, obviously, I think they'll probably get, I don't know, five or six minor league signings with, you know, invites to spring training like we saw last year with, you know, Derek Dietrich, Jose Iglesias, things like that. Um, if they don't make any more signings, 86 win team. So whatever you think that's going to get you in this division, in this league, I mean, third, third place sounds about right. Yeah. That's pretty good compared to what we've seen, but still, it's not exactly the surefire playoff team we were hoping for. But I'm not so sure they'll make, I said earlier that probably, if I had to guess, they'll get one of those three outfitters. I still do think that. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they don't make any more kind of what we'd call quote-unquote big signings, but instead um, really work some kind of a big trade for, for a player that really helps. And I can see it being an outfielder or a shortstop, and I could absolutely see that happening. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm positive they're trying to work the angles for that. They may not be able to make it happen. But uh, I think there's going to be one more significant player joining this team. And I'm not saying it's got Lindor significant, but significant. Someone that helps. At least one more, more than just a, you know, filling holes. You, how, how, how confident are you in that? I think that they're going after somebody that they think would be a significant help. I think it's going to be one of those outfielders we have discussed already. Yeah. And I, 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 your mileage may vary on whether that's a significant move or not. I mean, I I, I, yeah. I think that they are on the trade market trying to find something because I really do think that they are, quote-unquote, going for it. But I, I don't know. I, I It's so tough to gauge what's actually out there on the trade market because we definitely hear some rumors. But, you know, things pop up all the time at the last minute that are about to go down that we have, we've never heard anything about that clearly they've been talking about for, you know, three or four weeks. So Yeah, I'm constantly getting questions. You know, who do you think the Reds should be targeting in trade talks? My answer is everybody. You know, yes. there's no way really to know. Uh, you know, the Reds if they're not the calling Anaheim every day right. asking about Mike Trout, then they're they're not doing their job. Sorry, sorry, Nick Crawl, if you're listening. <laughs> Absolutely, you should be doing it. Uh, Crawl said, uh, I think today uh, someone mentioned it to me on Twitter. I saw, and I don't think I responded because I think it was right before we got ready to come on on the air here. Uh, that Nick Crawl said evidently tonight uh, publicly that they are absolutely uh, in the mix for in trade and free agent talks and that they're going to do something, I guess. So I didn't see the exact quote. But uh, Kyle Kapler asks, how is someone considered a Yahoo on Twitter? I think I have a, a tendency to call uh, some people on Twitter Yahoos. Am I getting yeah. my websites mixed up? I mean, maybe, but I mean, am I not a, not one of those people? Hooper Powell asks. Oh. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't want to answer that question, Doug. <laughs> Hooper Powell asks, which former Reds player would you say looks like more, looks more like old Saint Nick, Rick Mailer or Jonathan Broxton? By the way, happy holidays, my good man. Happy holidays to you, Hooper Powell. Who looks more like old Saint Nick? I'm going to go Rick uh, Mailer because uh, I can imagine if he were, you know, had had attained this age, he would have that beard of his would have been gloriously gray right now. That was literally my exact answer. Yeah, it's, it's just it's the age. I mean, it, he he fits the profile that we have of Santa Claus a little bit more. Broxton would fit the the red suit, but you know, at this point in his life, uh, and rest in peace, uh, Rick Mailer. But uh, you know, he would be filled out as well. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with go with Mailer. Rich Thompson, uh, Rich, uh, my buddy from uh, from Williamsburg, Virginia. 
uh, has uh, likes to ask uh, you know um, different type questions, which we encourage. Our viewer mail, ask us whatever you want. I don't care if it's about the Reds. Uh, Rich, Rich Thompson says, no viewer mail questions about movies or opinions on exotic minor league baseball or European cycling destinations this week. Question number one, from what I've been reading, it looks like Francisco Lindor can actually be had from the Indians if the price is right. Personally, if I were the Indians negotiating with the Reds for any package for Lindor, it would start and end with either Castillo or Sinzel. If you had to choose, who would it be, Castillo or Sinzel, to make a deal happen for Lindor? That's a pretty good question. What's your answer? I mean, if I had to choose... So there's not an I don't want to choose either one option? Well, I think that's that may be my answer too. But yes, if you had to choose, if the Reds were trading for Lindor in this world we're talking about and you had to pick one of those, I, I know what my answer is and I think it's, I'm pretty clear on it. It, it kind of hurts me to say it, but I'd say Luis I, Castillo. I, okay, well, tell me why. He's a pitcher. Uh, okay. Which actually should work in his favor, depending on how you look at it. But, uh, you know, the pitchers I worry about. Senzel, I think, is a guarantee to be an effective, above-average player for the Reds for the entirety of the time he's with the Reds. Castillo, pitchers get hurt. They they concern me. I don't know. But I'm not really confident on that in that opinion. What do you say? Okay, I'm going to take the other side of this, and it's not because you picked one side. <laughs> it's reasonable to go the other way. And the only reason I feel that is, I think that I'd be willing to roll the dice with an elite shortstop and having Luis Castillo yeah. versus keeping Nixon Zell and not having Luis Castillo. I, I, I just think that with where the team is right now for the short term, which is really, that's what I'm, you know, again, your mileage may vary on this. That's what I'm concerned about right now is this year, next year. Well, and Lindor is just two years all you got him, so we're talking short term. I, I, I think that it would just it would, it would make more sense from the Reds trying to really compete perspective if they had Francisco Lindor. Yeah. And that's again, that's nothing against Nick Senzel. But Francisco Lindor, I mean, he's a legitimate MVP caliber player right now, today. I just feel like Senzel is the again, like most... I said, I, I, I don't think I'd do either deal. Right, but not... since I had to pick between both or between those two guys, that's the one that would make more sense. Yeah, I, I think I would hesitate to deal either of those for what's really a short-term upgrade. Although I want Francisco Lindor desperately for the next two years. Yes. I don't think the, I don't think the the Indians will actually trade him this offseason. I think there's a very tiny chance he'll actually, now that they've traded Kluber. I don't see it. Yeah, with with Kluber gone, there there's no quote unquote reason to do it now. I think that somebody would literally. I mean, you'd have to call them and be like, hey. We'll give you Luis Castillo yeah. for him. Like I, and I just don't think a team's going to do that. They may at the trade deadline see what they can get for him if, if some team gets desperate. But I just, I think, last comment on that was that I think that Senzel is criminally underappreciated right now because he really struggled at the end of his year and then he was hurt again. And I just, I feel like he's a great, this is a guy that was a top prospect. And I just feel like he's a guy that's a, is set up to have, to improve. More than anyone else on the Reds roster. But again, you know, your mileage may vary. I could go either way. Well, that's okay. I wholeheartedly agree with you, so my mileage does not vary. <laughs> there you go. Here's the second question, uh, Rich, quickly, and I think we can talk about this pretty quick. If the Reds cannot make a deal for Lindor, I would dial up the Rockies to see if they can make a deal for either Trevor Story or Brendan Rodgers. Which of these two would you prefer, and what do you think the Reds would have to give up to get one of those guys? You want that one, or you mean to take it? Go for it. Uh, I'm not that interested in either of them, to be honest. I mean, I like Trevor Story. He's a lot better than uh, Freddie Galvis. But I look at his numbers away from from cores, and, and I expressed some interest earlier in the 
in the uh, off season in exploring a story deal. I think he's uh, a, a, an upgrade, a big upgrade, maybe uh, an upgrade on the level of Mustakas over uh, whoever Mustakas was replacing. But I don't think he's the superstar we think he is. I just look at his numbers away from uh, from Colorado, and they're you know they're average. He's an average hitter. That's good for a shortstop. But I'm just not sure I would give up a whole lot uh, for that. That's my that are my, my thoughts. What do you think? I mean, he's, he's a 12 WAR player over the last two years. That's that's borderline MVP, Chad. I mean, you can you can dive into the home road splits, but you're going to see that for just about every hitter, cores or not. I just worry. Pretty much, pretty much everybody hits way better at home than they do on the road. I mean, there's always that that you know, is it really a cores thing or not? But you got to think. I mean, he plays a lot out west. Those parks, those ballparks are huge out there. Yeah, good point. The, the ballparks in the NL Central are pretty small, except for St. Louis. It just seems I mean, like a big I, risk to give up a lot for him. I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, 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 at this point, I give up a lot for him. Now, let me rephrase that. I give up a lot of the farm for him. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that. Like, I'm not. I'm definitely not being like, hey, let's you know swap Nick Senzel for him or. I don't even know who else would be too much from the roster that the Reds would even. I mean, you know, they're not trading Luis Castillo or Sonny Gray for him. I'd trade Freddie uh, Galvis for him. Yes, I would trade Freddie Galvis for him. But I, I, I mean, I think that I'd give up legitimate prospect or two for him. I'm for, right, uh, well, let me for Trevor Story because the, the question did ask about two players. Yeah, for Trevor yeah. Story, yes. Yeah, I think clearly I'd prefer him. Uh, let me say this about Freddie Galvis because we're going to talk about Freddie Galvis. Uh, in what may seem to some people unkind terms over the next few months. And I don't dislike Freddie Galvis. Freddie Galvis is fine. Uh, Freddie Galvis, if he's your backup uh, infielder at second and short, is a great backup infielder. Love him. Um, I don't like him being the starting shortstop. So we're going to get the it's, – it's going to turn into Jose Iglesias again, whereas I'm fine with what Jose Iglesias did. But let's not pretend he was a, you know, an all-star, which some people were pretending. And I can show you the uh, links to prove it. Nathan Connor asks at patreon.com slash radio, are we completely delusional? Okay. Yeah, obviously. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. There's, there's more to that. Oh. Um, it would seem that we are, and the Reds seem that, it would seem that the Reds, that we are delusional. There we go. And the Reds can only shop in the bargain bins or acquire quality players in a trade. This isn't meant to sound like a criticism. Signing so far have been really good, but missing on Rendon is a real bummer. That's probably my fault on the Rendon because I was the one beating the drum about that. I don't know if the Reds were even in on it, but I thought it made so much sense. If you're, I mean, just, if you're going to spend some money, that's a guy that really helps the team. But are we delusional? Is it true that the Reds can only shop in the bargain bins? And what he means by that, I think, is that the Reds are only, not really serious contenders for actual free agents, like for, for the top-shelf free agents. Either they won't come to Cincinnati or the Reds won't spend what it takes to get one of those guys. What do you think about that, Doug? I think that generally speaking, in, in every free agent year, the Reds are probably not going to be in on the top two or three guys who are going to get that hundred and seventy-five plus million dollar contract. Then I'm delusional. But I think I think they can be in the market for everybody else. I mean, let's be honest. You know, just you know, Joey Votto wasn't a free agent, but they committed like two hundred and fifty million dollars to him, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's not that they aren't willing to necessarily go after it if it's the right guy. Um. I think that right now they're probably not going to take on another contract like that one because I mean it, it. I mean I, I again it's not my money, but I think that the Reds do have a budget. Whether I agree with it being the right number or not doesn't really matter. Uh, that budget number is their budget number, and I think that right now you know they can't 
add on another, you know, $250 million contract. Boo. But I, I agree, but, you know, they, unfortunately it's the reality of the situation that neither you or I have control over. But, I mean, Mike Moustakis isn't a bargain bin guy, is he? <laughs> no, Zach, no, no. Zach, yeah. Zach Wheeler isn't a bargain bin guy. They didn't land him. But they, they seem like they were trying. And really close, I think, uh, in the end. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I think that uh, bargain bin is not the right term, but it's going to be difficult for the Reds. Maybe it'll change when the, if the Reds start winning. I mean, teams want, players want to come that, here. And that's a big thing, too, because, you know, I, I really do think that since the last time the Reds actually won consistently, baseball's changed in the whole financial aspect of things. Yeah. I mean, it's been 30 years since the Reds were realistically, like, consistent winners. I mean, you know, they, they had that stretch from 2010 to 2013, 2014, but that, w- that was pretty short-lived. And, I mean, they, I mean that, t- that team was mostly built on guys that they already had in their system, yeah. guys that they didn't have to pay. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if they can put together, you know, three or four straight years of, of winning. And they're willing to spend the money. You know, if free agents are more willing to come and play in Cincinnati, it's a good ballpark, and they have great fans like us. Well, I mean, it's a good ballpark if you're a hitter. There you go. Well, uh, but but pitch- again, if if you can get good pitchers to pitch well, then cool. maybe it'll start losing some of that. You know, I mean, I, I know Jason Linden has tried to pound it into all of our heads that you know Great American Ballpark isn't nearly as hitter friendly as people think it is, right. and I, I think he, I think he's absolutely right. But perception is reality, and in, until that perception changes, well, they're going to perceive it as it's too hitter friendly. I'm not going to yeah. go there and you know have my ERA go up half of a run just because. It makes sense. This is your profession. Uh, I think that that started to change hopefully uh, last year and hopefully more this coming year because the Reds are projected to have one of the best rotations in the National League, and so uh, you know it can be done at Great American Ballpark. Do we want to answer Joe Farsing's uh, second question? Absolutely. All right, I'm going to ask, and I'll let I'll let you answer it. Uh, if we, and I'm going to have a brief comment. If we drive on a parkway and park on a driveway, why did Dave Matthews dump 800 pounds of human waste on unsuspecting Chicagoans in 2004, after already dumping five studio albums of waste on the world to that point? Do you want to go first? No, no. You said you wanted to answer that. Do I, it. I, I, I really. First off, this is one of my favorite stories I've ever heard in my entire life. I've been telling this story for over a decade. For those of you who don't know, uh, the tour bus for the Dave Matthews Band released its septic tank over a graded bridge in Chicago over one of the rivers. Uh, Unfortunately, there was a tour boat underneath the bridge when it happened, and the bus company and driver got sued. It was a big thing. Um, So I'm just going to say this. It wasn't Dave Matthews that did that. Thank you. He, he, He just happened to be on the bus for his tour when it happened. He had nothing to do with that. Um, the studio album thing, Chad, you can, you can take it from there. Let me, okay. You said the one thing I wanted to say, which is that Dave didn't actually do it. It was actually some, you know, hired tour bus driver that had no really a real association with the band. I'll also say that a few years ago, I went on one of these boat tours, uh, in Chicago. It was like an architectural tour and, uh, it was fascinating. It was really an amazing tour. And, uh, but <laughs> we went under a bridge and it didn't occur to me until that point. I was like, oh crap. Uh, not literally, but oh, that was that such a good story. <laughs> but I, I looked up and I thought, 
Oh, yeah. So now the next thing is, Joe, you love to poke at me about Dave Matthews, but let me just explain something to you. When I was in college, Dave Matthews was the local you know, band in the, uh, the, the, the small places around Charlottesville. And uh, so I'm not going to abandon the Dave Matthews band. And I'm a, uh, you know, I, you can think what you want of them. But uh, I'm a, I'm a fanboy, and I will accept all the criticism because I've heard it already. It's not going to hurt my feelings. So, Joe, keep poking fun at me. You know I still love you. Snoopaloop asks, boy, that's a good name, Snoopaloop. He's the official uh, you know, hip-hop uh, guy for, of Red Leg Nation Radio, I guess. I don't know. The official I, mean, I, I, I just thought he was a big fan of... Uh... You know, Will Ferrell running across the quad, but you know, oh, just yeah, you're my boy, Blue. Who did the Reds end up getting as the player to be named later for our guy Ryan Jeanette? Baseball Reference doesn't say. Is it our good good old friend Cash? Not to be yes, confused. It was. Not to be confused with future Scooter 2.0 Cash Case. Yeah, no, they 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 got cash back in that deal. Yeah, so actual hard United States currency. Good work, I mean, Reds. I, I mean, I hope it was hard currency because I just I, I love the idea of them paying in coins. Also, hope it was uh, U.S. currency because I mean, yeah. what if it was like the euro? Who wants that? I mean, maybe somebody's got a vacation coming up in Italy. I don't know. Ooh, I got a couple of euros laying around here. I'll kick into you know, <laughs> you know, whatever trade for cash case. I don't even know what we're talking about at this point. Sydney Price at uh, Twitter.com/slash Redleg Radio asks. Who do you think the Reds should sign to minor league deals? That's another question like we talked about with uh, with trades. Uh, maybe you, since you're the minor league guy, maybe you have a better answer, but I have, you know, that's not uh, really on my radar. Uh, it's really not on mine either because I think for the, I, I think the question is more intended towards major leaguers that are willing to take minor league contracts with spring training invites. And I mean, at this point, I just don't know who's willing to actually do that. I think that for the most part, a lot of these guys are still holding out hope. I mean, yeah. it's it's the middle of December. Spring training doesn't start for eight more weeks. They're, they're holding out hope for the most part that you know they can get an actual guaranteed deal. The Reds have had some success doing that, and we have to look no, uh, you know, no further than last year when they got Derek Dietrich and Jose Iglesias on those minor league deals. I would say yeah. the Reds should have signed Ryan Lavarnway. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I mean, the answer is yes. Yeah. He's, I mean, he might be the greatest catcher in Reds history. I don't know. There I'm just go. saying. Michael Smith asks, hash brown viewer mail, what's the punishment for first-time participants in a Popeye's chicken sandwich brawl? I guess I'll I've take this a, one. I, oh, I, was say, I have a good answer, but I'll let the judge go first. No, go ahead, and then I'll, I'll come in with my judicial uh, opinion. Well, the loser has to eat the other chicken sandwich. Ooh, what is the other chicken sandwich? I... <laughs> Does it even matter? Exactly. The answer is it depends on the, what the brawl is like. It could be a misdemeanor assault, 12 months in jail up to a $2,500 fine. But if it, if it gets more serious than that, it could be even malicious wounding, which is a 20-year sentence, or aggravated malicious wounding, So you know, which is a 40-year sentence. What, 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 if, what if there's murder involved? If there's murder involved, then it could be, uh, you know, it uh, depends on what state you're in, you're, but it could be, you know, the death penalty. We're going to hope it's not that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm a fan of chicken sandwiches, but that, I mean, yeah, people get a little carried away sometimes over this one. Yeah, boy, uh, I thought you were going to say you were a fan of the death penalty, and then I, we were going to have a long conversation. Um, BZ asks, BZ, if we don't have any more acquisitions this offseason other than Moose and Miley, where would you rank us in your preseason NL Central standings? Probably shouldn't have asked. That one. Thanks for the question, but we were kind of already answered that. Probably third place is what I'd say. 
Yeah, second or third, just yeah. kind of depending on how how the the whole health thing plays right. out for the Reds and I mean for everybody else too. Yeah, yeah, I say third place with some real upside. Brian uh, Bowdy asks, hash brown viewer mail. Do you have a favorite MLS team? The answer to that is yes. And have you uh, my favorite MLS team? Obviously FC Cincinnati. Um, I'm sorry, Columbus Crew. I do own some Columbus Crew gear, but when Cincinnati got a team, I had to I had to switch. I'm I'm disloyal. Um, and have you already switched your allegiance to uh, allegiance to Charlotte MLS, or will you wait to do that in 2021 when they take the field? I saw Charlotte got a team. So, um, do you have a favorite MLS team, Doug? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I I've watched like four or five matches of FC Cincinnati, and I've watched zero of anybody else. There you go. And I live in Cincinnati, so I kind of have to say it's ML or uh, FC Cincinnati. Yeah. Are you going to switch your allegiance to Charlotte? I'm not. Brian's from Charlotte. Uh, he's one of our friends, and uh, I'll say this: I got another friend that lives in Charlotte. He's a he's a lawyer in Charlotte, and I'm not going to mention his name, but he he texted in a, in a group text that we had the other night. I guess it was last night after Charlotte got their uh, the news that they were going to have a new team, and the text was Charlotte just got a uh, got a t- an MLS franchise. What league do they play in? Oh boy! I love that guy. One of my favorite people, but yikes. Someone else responded, um, MLS. <laughs> Jason Lawrence asks, uh, you think Jason Lawrence is related to Jennifer Lawrence? I'm going to assume. We can, we, can, we can only hope. Yeah, I assume so. Um, his question is this, Chad, if I make a 10 song, quote, Springsteen for people that don't like Springsteen playlist, will you listen to it? Or do you feel like you've heard it all and he's still the worst? Okay. I've been very public about it. My, my thoughts that Springsteen is the most overrated musical artist ever. But it, Jason, if you make a 10 song playlist uh, of Sp- Springsteen for people that don't like Springsteen, yes, sure, I'll listen to it. I've got all kinds of time. Uh, would you listen to well, What are your thoughts on Springsteen, Doug? Yeah. I mean, exactly. It's, I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to it. I know that much. <laughs> Well, I would listen to if Jennifer Lawrence's brother wants to send me a playlist. Absolutely, I'd listen to it. Philip R. Uh oh. Uh oh. That's the it. that's the only that's the only response. Philip R.'s question is this: This is Philip Razor. If the Reds trade for Francisco Lindor, who would play Ono Coop in the movie? Hash, it's not Hash Brown. At Ono Coop in the movie Coop, of course, the host of the Hunt for Reds October podcast. And I love this uh, way that uh, we've had a few questions like this tonight where they, they kind of had some little misdirection. If the Reds trade for Lindor, who would play uh, Coop in the movie? Now, my answer, when I, and I know you've got an answer. I'm going to let you have have the floor here. My answer was going to be, and someone else uh, mentioned it before I got a chance to make the joke here on the, on the podcast, but I was going to say Anna Kendrick. You agree, right? I do not. All right, let's hear what your thoughts are. Because you, you did say that you had some thoughts. I, I have a good thought. Because if the Reds trade for Francisco Lindor, it's going to be the greatest story in baseball history, which means it's going to be the greatest movie in history of the world. It's going to be on repeat forever. Yeah. So I want Coop to play Coop in the movie so Coop can really get those residual checks down the line and do whatever he wants with his life. Shout out, Coop. Wow. Shout out to Coop. And shout out to the Hunt for Reds October podcast. Jesse Byrne asks... Hash Brown viewer mail, do you think a platoon of Jesse Winker and Aquino and one of any of the three outfitters the Reds have been linked with, plus Senzel at center, could be enough offense in the lineup if they keep Galvis at short full-time, plus Tucker at catcher? Cheers and cheers, he says. Um, I think they're better. 
<laughs> you know, I, I think that any of those three outfitters make the Reds better. And I do like the idea of a winker, the winker in right field scares me a little. Um, I don't know. You're, have, you're having to hope a little bit there. It's enough to be competitive. They're going to be a competitive team. They're going to be above average, I think. But I'm not buying pl- playoff tickets just yet. What do you think? Pretty much the same thing. I, I I would love what Castellanos brings to the plate more than any of the other hitters. But that defense is so bad, he would give so much of that back. I just... I, I'd feel confident most days that they would be in the game. But like you, I, I don't think I'd run out and, you know get ready to buy playoff tickets unless they made another move beyond that. If the Reds do make the playoffs, though, I'm going to buy playoff tickets. I'll let you do it. Excellent. You meant, you, you meant for everybody that listens to the podcast, right? Abs- um, oh, wait, what? Uh, um, only if we get a lot more uh, subscribers <laughs> at Patreon. If we get enough subscribers at Patreon, I will buy every patron tickets to a Reds playoff game, or at least a regular Reds game. How about that? Um, Jesse, by the way, uh, Jesse Byrne at JBSON 1992, you got to respo- respond back and uh, let me know at Dotson C on Twitter where you're from because you spelled center C-E-N-T-R-E and offense O-F-F-E-N-C-E. So I, in my mind, I'm believing you're living in the Tottenham neighborhood of London and uh, that's what I'm hoping. But let me know because uh, not, not the common spelling in America, but it's fantastic. Always encouraged. Disappointed Colts fan asks... How bad does Ohio State beat Kentucky on Saturday, and should the Reds go after anyone else besides Castellanos, Ozuna? What do you think? I mean, I think they should go after Dickerson. And as for Ohio State and Kentucky, I don't even know what sport we're talking about or asking about, so I have no idea. That's college hoops, man. I'm not sure I want to answer that because I don't want to, uh, you know, feel the wrath of Big Blue Nation. Well, I'll, I'll do it then because I hate... Kentucky basketball. So uh, go, go Buckeyes. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna beat them by seven thousand points. Possibly. I don't hate Kentucky basketball, but uh, Ohio State's awfully good this year. They're awfully yeah, I don't, good. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily hate Kentucky basketball. I hate the fact that my extended family has an obsession with Kentucky basketball. So I just kind of have to go against it. You love Georgetown basketball. Yes. Exactly. Boy, they're playing well since they got rid of some dead weight. Uh, Johan, I'm not sure how to pronounce your last name, sorry. It's at T-H-E-O-P-O-L-I-P-H-I-L. Theopolophil. You reckon that's Phil Razor? No, no I do not. Johan. Thankfully for Johan, it's not. Exactly. Would you trade Nicola Dolo and Tyler Stevenson for two years of Lindor? And one of his, uh, you know what, one of his uh, hashtags is, Hashtag feels overrated. Ouch. Ouch. Would you trade Lodolo and Stevenson, Tyler Stevenson, for two years of Lindor? I think I painfully would. It would be very, very painful, but yes, I think I would too. Now, I would, without question, trade Nick Lodolo and Robert Stevenson for two years of Lindor. Yes. He didn't qualify which Stevenson we're talking about. Mm. Well, if we're going to do that, I'm just going to go sign some other random dude named Stevenson. There you go. Uh, and Kenny Lodolo, we'll sign him. Kenny Lodolo, Kenny Lodolo. Yep. yeah, and uh, and let's say uh, Danny Stevenson for two years of Jimmy Lindor. Trey Gross asks, at what point do we have a serious conversation about how poorly the Reds have scouted during the last 10 to 15 years? Very few homegrown drafted MLB players who have been above average 
is it time for a scouting department change? I'm just going to let you handle this, and, and then we'll uh, we'll get to the last one and be out. Well, I'm not going to dive into it too much, but I don't think the Reds have scouted badly at all. Uh, I'll just say this much. They get guys to the major leagues, which means they didn't really screw up. The biggest issue is they haven't developed a superstar since Joey Votto, and that, you know... Uh, that that can be a little bit of a problem, but I think there's some bad luck involved there too. I mean, Devin Mazzarocco looked like he could be that guy, and then he, his body just betrayed him. Homer Bailey could have been on the same route to that, and then his body betrayed him. I mean, Johnny Cueto was, you know, developed under the current Reds peoples, I guess. Uh, he he turned out to be pretty good. Uh, Yasmani Grandal, I mean, he didn't turn out to be a star for the Reds, but uh, I mean, I think he counts, right? They they drafted and developed him, um, but. Getting to the other part of the question, just last year the Reds changed to their farm. Yes, or, uh, they changed they, they changed their farm director. Uh, they changed their amateur scouting director in the United States and Canada, and they changed their international scouting director. So uh, they they have made changes. They've made changes in their scouting and their development department. I mean, they've kind of reorganized everything over the last year and a half. So uh, whether that's because they didn't think that things were being done right, or you know some other reason. Uh, they they have definitely gone about trying to change just about everything in their scouting and development uh, in, in in the recent years, and it's you know it's going to take us probably another decade before we kind of know some of the early results from that. I mean the the guys that were drafted this year, uh, if they were high school players, I mean by the time they spent four or five years in the major leagues, I mean that's a decade from now. Yeah. So I, th- I think that it's the probably most underreported and uh, amongst the ordinary Reds fan undervalued change that's happened with the Reds organization in the last two years, really since Walt Jockety took a step back and Dick Williams kind of took more control. The changes they've made in the last two years in terms of how they approach the minor leagues, uh, scouting and development, are the most exciting things that have happened in this organization, frankly, in a long, long time to me. And and you're right, we're not going to see the results of that for a while, but it gives me some hope that if they can get through this next period where they're trying to sort of dig out from under a failed rebuild, um, that there could be some good times ahead because I'm really excited about the things they're doing down there. So that's all yeah, we'll say. I mean, about it. It, Go if ahead. It's only the web, like a website that you could follow all the ongoings of the, the minor leagues and the Reds and stuff. Exactly. Twitter.com. No, I was no, gonna no. go with I was gonna go with Facebook.com, but you know Twitter's pretty terrible too. So yeah. no, RedsMinorLeagues.com is absolutely true, and uh, that's how I know anything I know about the minor leagues is because I read uh, every single word that uh, Doug writes until he starts talking about one certain player, and then I've heard enough. Ryan Rayburn, final question here. Ryan Rayburn, and I, I hesitated to answer this because Ryan Rayburn, Rayburn, for reasons that are known to him, is dead to me. <laughs> Ryan asks, how excited will you be when the Reds sign Jacoby Ellsbury? Well, since you believe that he is dead, I will just go ahead and answer it, and you can just not. (laughs) I I won't be thrilled. But can't can't you see that happening? To go back to a previous question, maybe he's one of those guys we can get on one of the minor league deals, and then I'm not going to be too upset about it. That's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. The way I was thinking about it was, Boy, that seems like a guy that I could really see the Reds going out and getting and, and, and hoping that he's Jacoby Ellsbury of what, like, you know, seven years ago or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the last time he played was in 2017. Like, yeah. uh, and the last time he was it, a, good was 2014, right? Yeah. 
So. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was roughly league average in 2017. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Is he still what positions did he play in 2017? Oh, in 2017. Yeah, he played center field all those games. So he can yeah. he's still stuck in center field actually. <laughs> he's also 36 next year, so he's probably not playing center. Let's so. uh let's go out and sign a 36 year old center fielder. I mean we go, we only have that Senzel guy. Who trusts him? My hand is raised right now. There we go. All right, uh, Doug. Anything else you want to talk about in particular? We've gone. No, I think we I think we did a whole lot. Yeah, we got a lot covered here, and it was a it was a fun podcast. You can follow uh, Doug at Doug Dirt Twenty Four on Twitter. I'm at Dots and C. Read everything Doug uh, and uh, all his uh, friends write at RedLegNation.com and at RedsMatterLeagues.com. You can follow at RedLegNation at RedLegRadio. You can also subscribe to the podcast wherever you find podcasts. Where uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, we're at Stitcher, we're at every, literally everywhere. Go search for us. Leave us a rating and review if you can. Tell your friends about it. That's more important than even the ratings and reviews. Tell all your friends about us if you like us because that's a, that's how the podcast grows. And we absolutely have the best viewers on earth. I mean, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate all of you that uh, contribute every week and, and talk to us and, and help us as we try to <laughs> keep our mental health by following the Cincinnati Reds. Doug, thank you so much for joining me again. I'm, I'm glad to come on, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we'll do it again really soon for Doug Gray and Ryan LaVarnway, the legend. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.